guess I'd better go get humiliated. I'm sure that whatever happens, Joel said, you'll do it spectacularly. She moved on. Joel was about to follow when he saw a set of rhythmatists arrive together. Twelve of them, wearing red shirts with their white pants or skirts. Team Nalazar had arrived. The professor himself was at their head. How was it that simply by association he could make a group of students seem more haughty, more exclusive? Nalazar stood beside the doorway with arms folded as they entered one at a time. Joel gritted his teeth and forced himself to enter the building after Nalazar. He spotted the professor walking down a short hallway to the right, heading toward the stairs up to the observation room. Joel hurried after. This hall was pretty much empty now, though Joel could hear the buzz of people in the auditorium doors a short distance away. Professor, Joel said. Nalazar turned to him, but gave Joel only a quick glance before continuing on his way. Professor, Joel said. I want to apologize. Nalazar turned again, and this time he focused on Joel, as if seeing him for the first time. You want to apologize for telling people that I was the kidnapper? Joel paled. Yes, Nalazar said. I heard about your accusations. Well, I was wrong, Joel said. I'm sorry. Nalazar raised an eyebrow, but that was his only response. From him, it seemed like something of an acceptance. You came here to Armidius chasing Harding, Joel said. Yes, Nalazar said. I knew something had gotten loose, but nobody back at Nebraska believed me. Harding seemed like the most likely candidate. I got the authorities to release me on a technicality, then came here. When people started disappearing, I knew I was right. Forgotten can be tricky, however, and I needed proof for an accusation. After all, as you might have figured out, making accusations about innocent people is a terribly unpleasant thing to do. Joel gritted his teeth. What was he, then? A forgotten... Nalazar said. Read the papers. They'll tell you enough. They don't know the details. Nobody will speak of them. I was hoping— I am not inclined to speak with non-rhythmatists about such things, Nalazar snapped. Joel took a deep breath. All right. Nalazar raised his eyebrow again. I don't want to fight, Professor. In the end, we were working toward the same goal. If we'd helped one another, then perhaps we could have accomplished more. What will accomplish the most, Nalazar said, would be if you stayed out of my way. Without your ill-planned dump of acid, I would have had the strength to beat that fool, Harding. Now, if you'll excuse me, I must get going. Nalazar began to walk away. Would have had the strength? Joel frowned. Professor? Nalazar stopped. What is it now? He said, not turning around. I just wanted to wish you luck, like the luck you had two nights ago. What luck two nights ago? The fact that Harding didn't shoot at you, Joel said. He took a shot at Fitch. Yet against you, he didn't fire his gun, even though you didn't have a line of forbiddance up at first to stop a shot. Nalazar stood quietly. And, Joel added, it's lucky that he didn't attack you with his chalklings once you were unconscious. He ignored you and moved on to the students. If I'd been him, I would have turned the major threat, the trained adult rhythmatist, 
into a chuckling first. Joel cocked his head, the conclusions coming to his tongue before he realized what he was doing. Dusts, he thought. I just got done apologizing and now I'm accusing him again. I really am obsessed by this man. He opened his mouth to retract what he'd said, but froze as Nalazar turned back halfway, his face looking shadowed. Interesting conclusions, the professor said quietly, the mockery gone from his voice. Joel stumbled back. Any more theories? Nalazar asked. I, he gulped. Harding, the thing controlling him didn't seem very smart. It boxed itself in with its own lines of forbiddance, and it didn't coordinate its chocklings, which let Melody and me escape. It never spoke except to growl or try to shout. Yet, Joel continued, the plot was really intricate. It involved framing Exton, grabbing the perfect students to cause a panic that would end with the majority of the arithmetists on campus lumped together, where they could be attacked and taken in one swoop. The thing we fought seems to have come out only at night. Harding himself was in control during the day. He didn't make the plans, and the forgotten didn't seem smart enough to do so either. It makes me wonder, was someone else helping it? Maybe something smarter? Nalazar turned around all the way. He stood tall, and something about him seemed different. Like it had that day when Joel had looked up at the window, and Nalazar had looked down at him. Nalazar's arrogance was gone, replaced by cool calculation. It was like the young upstart was a persona, carefully crafted to make people hate but ignore Nalazar as a threat. Nalazar strolled forward. Joel began to sweat, and he took a step backward. Joel, Nalazar said. You act as if you are in danger. Behind his eyes, something dark flashed, a fuzzing charcoal blackness. What are you? Joel whispered. Nalazar smiled, stopping a few feet in front of him. A hero, he whispered, vindicated by your own words. The man nobody likes, but one they think has a good heart anyway. The professor who came to the rescue of the students, even if he arrived too late and was too weak to defeat the enemy. It was a ruse, Joel said. He thought back to Nalazar's surprise at finding Joel in the dorms and the way he had reacted to Harding. Nalazar hadn't seemed surprised, more bothered, as if realizing that he'd just been implicated. Had Nalazar changed his plans at that moment? fighting Harding to appear like a hero to fool Joel? You would have let me live, Joel said. You would have lain there, presumably unconscious, while your minion turned the students to chalklings. You could have charged over then and saved some of them. You'd have been a hero, but Armedius would still have been decimated. Joel's voice rang in the empty hallway. What would the others think, Joel? Nalazar said if they heard you speak such hurtful things. Just a couple of days after publicly admitting that I'm a hero, I dare say it would make you look rather inconsistent. He's right, Joel thought numbly. They won't believe me now. Not after I vouched for Nalazar myself. 
Plus Melody and Fitch reinforced that Nalazar had come to help at the end. Joel met the thing's eyes and saw the darkness moving behind them again. A real tangible thing, clouding the whites with a shifting, scribbly mess of black. Nalazar nodded to Joel as if in respect. It seemed such an odd motion from the arrogant professor. I am sorry for dismissing you. I have trouble telling the difference between those of you who are not rhythmatists, you see. You all look so alike. But you, you are special. I wonder why they did not want you. I was right, Joel whispered. All along I was right about you. Oh, but you were so wrong. You don't know a fraction of what you think you know. What are you? Joel repeated. A teacher, he said. And a student? The book's in the library, Joel said. You're not searching for anything specific. You're just trying to discover what we know about rhythmatics, so you can judge where humankind's abilities lie. Nalazar said nothing. He came for the students, Joel realized. The war in Nebraska. The Chalklings haven't managed a significant breakout for centuries. Our arithmetists are too strong. But if a creature like Nalazar can get at the students before they are trained... A new arithmetist can only be made once an old one dies. What would happen if instead of dying, all of them were turned into Chalkling monsters? No more arithmetists. No more line in Nebraska. The weight of what had just happened pressed down upon Joel. Nalazar the man is dead, isn't he? Joel said. You took him at Nebraska when he went into the breach to find Melody's brother. And Harding was with him, wasn't he? Melody said that Nalazar led an expedition in, and that would include soldiers. You took them both together. Then you came out here. I see I need to leave you to think, Nalazar said. Joel reached into his pocket, then whipped out the gold coin, holding it up wardingly at Nalazar. The creature eyed it, then plucked it from Joel's fingers, holding it up to the light and looking at the clockwork inside. Do you know why time is so confusing to some of us, Joel? Nalazar asked. Joel said nothing. Because man created it. He sectioned it off. There is nothing inherently important about a second or a minute. They're fictional divisions enacted by mankind, fabricated, he eyed Joel. Yet in a human's hands these things have life. Minutes, seconds, hours. The arbitrary becomes a law. For an outsider, these laws can be unsettling, confusing, frightening. He flipped the coin back to Joel. Others of us, he said, take more concern to understand, for a person rarely fears that which he understands. Now, if you'll excuse me, I have a competition to win. Joel watched, helpless, as the creature that was Nalazar disappeared up the steps to meet with the other professors. It had failed but it didn't seem the type to have only one plan in motion. 
What was Nalazar planning for his personal team of students? Why create a group of young arithmetists who were loyal to him? Those who won the melee would be given prime positions at Nebraska, made leaders... Dusts, Joel thought, rushing back toward the auditorium. He had to do something, but what? Nobody would believe him about Nalazar, not now. The students had already been placed on the field, some of them individual, others grouped in teams. He saw Melody, who unfortunately had drawn a very poor location, near the very center of the arena. Surrounded by enemies, she'd have to defend on all sides at once. She knelt there, head bowed, back slumped in dejection. It twisted Joel's insides in knots. If Nalazar's students won this melee, those moving to Nebraska for their final year of training would gain positions of authority over other students. Nalazar wanted them to win. He wanted his people in control, in charge. That couldn't be allowed. Nalazar's students could not win the melee. Joel glanced to the side. Exton was chatting with several of the clerks from the city who would act as his assistant referees. They'd watched to make certain that as soon as a circle of warding was breached, the arithmetist inside was disqualified. Joel took a breath and walked up to Exton. Is there any rule against a non-rhythmatist entering the melee? Exton started. Joel, what is this? Is there a rule against it? Joel asked. Well, no, Exton said. But you'd have to be a student of one of the rhythmatic professors, which isn't really the case for any non-rhythmatist. Except me, Joel said. Exton blinked. Well, yes. I suppose being his research assistant over the summer elective counts... Technically. But, Joel, it'd be foolish for a non-rhythmatist to go out there. Joel looked across the field. There were some forty students on it this year. I'm entering on Professor Fitch's team, Joel said. I'll take a spot on the field with Melody. But, I mean... Just put me down, Exton, Joel said, running out onto the field. His entrance caused quite a stir. Students looked up, and the watching crowd began to buzz. Melody didn't see him. She was still kneeling, head down, oblivious to the whispers and occasional calls of laughter that Joel's entrance prompted. The large clock on the wall rang out, bells marking the hour. It was noon, and once the twelfth chime rang, the students could start drawing. Forty clicks sounded as students placed their chalk against the black stone floor. Melody reached out hesitantly. Joel knelt and snapped his chalk to the ground beside hers. She looked up with shock. Joel, what the dusts are you doing? I'm annoyed at you, he said. Huh? You came out here to get humiliated, and you didn't even invite me along. She hesitated, then smiled. Idiot, she said. You're not going to prove anything to me by going down faster than I do. I don't intend to go down. Joel said, holding up his blue piece of chalk. The sixth chime rang. Just draw what I do. What do you mean? Trace me. Dusts, Melody, you've practiced tracing all summer. I bet you can manage it better than anyone here. Where you see blue, draw over it with white. She hesitated, and then a broad, mischievous smile split her mouth. The twelfth bell rang, and Joel began to draw. He made a large circle around both him and Melody, and she followed, tracing his line exactly. 
He finished, but then stopped. What? Melody said. Safe and simple? Dusts no, she said. If we go out, we go out dramatically. Nine-pointer. Joel smiled, stilling his hands as he listened to the drawing all around him. He could almost believe himself arithmetist. He set his chalk back down, divided the circle in his head, and began to draw. Professor Fitch stood quietly on the glass floor, a cup held in his hand, though he didn't drink. He was too nervous. He was afraid his hand would shake and spill tea all over him. The viewing lounge atop the arena was quite nice, quite nice indeed. Maroon colorings, dim lighting from above, as to not distract from what was below, iron girders running between the glass squares so that one didn't get too much of a sense of vertigo by standing directly above the arena floor. Fitch generally enjoyed the view and the privileges of being a professor. He had watched numerous jewels from this room. That, however, didn't make the experience any less nerve-wracking. Fitch, you look pale, a voice said. Fitch looked over as Principal York joined him. Fitch tried to chuckle at the principal's comment and dismiss it, but it kind of came out weakly. Nervous, York said. Ah, well, yes, unfortunately. I much prefer the midwinter duel, Thomas. I don't usually have students in that one. Ah, Professor, York said, patting him on the shoulder. Just two days ago you faced down a forgotten for dust's sake. Surely you can stand a little bit of dueling stress. Hum, yes, of course, Fitch tried to smile. I just, well, you know how I am with confrontation. There is, of course, no contest, another voice said. Fitch turned, looking through the collection of professors and dignitaries to where Nalazar stood in his red coat. He wore the one that had once belonged to Fitch. The other one had been ruined by acid. My students are the best trained, Nalazar continued. We've been practicing duels all summer. You will soon see the importance of building a strong, quick offense. A strong, quick offense makes for excellent dueling, Fitch agreed in his head. But it makes for terrible defensive practice on the battlefield, where you'll likely be surrounded. Nalazar couldn't see that, of course. All he saw was the victory. Fitch couldn't really blame the man— he was young. Attacking fast often seemed so important to those who were in their youths. York frowned. That one is too arrogant for my tastes, the principal said softly. I'm sorry, Fitch, for bringing him on campus. If I'd known what he'd do to you— Nonsense, Thomas, Fitch said. Not your fault at all, no, not at all. Nalazar will grow wiser as he ages, and, well— he certainly did shake things up here. A shake-up isn't always for the best, Fitch, York said. Particularly when you're the man in charge and you like how things are running. Fitch finally took a sip of his tea. Down below, he noticed, the students were already drawing. He'd missed the start. He winced, half afraid to seek out poor Melody. He was taking her re-education slowly for her own good. She wasn't yet prepared for something like this. That made Fitch grow nervous again. Dread it all, he thought. Why can't I be confident like Nelazar? That man had a gift for self-assuredness. Hey, 
said Professor Campbell. Is that the chalkmaker's son? Fitch started, almost spilling his drink as he looked down at the wide circular auditorium floor below. In the very center, two figures drew from within the same circle. That wasn't forbidden by the rules, but it was highly unusual. It would mean that a break in the circle would knock them both out of the competition, and that wasn't a risk worth taking. It slowly dawned on Fitch who those two students were. One didn't wear the uniform of a rhythmatist. He wore the sturdy yet unremarkable clothing of a servant's son. Well, I'll be, York said. Is that legal? It can't possibly be, Professor Hatch said. I think it actually is, said Professor Kim. Fitch stared down, mentally calculating the arcs between the points on Joel and Melody's circle. Oh, lad, he said, smiling. You got it right on. Beautiful. Nalazar stepped up beside Fitch, looking down. His expression had changed, the haughtiness gone. Instead, there was simply consternation, fascination even. Yes, Fitch thought. I'm sure he'll turn out to be an all right fellow if we just give him enough time. Joel's blue chalk vibrated between his fingers as he dragged it across the black ground. He drew without looking up. He was surrounded by opponents. That was all he needed to know. Keening would do him no good. He needed defense, a powerfully strong defense before he could move on to any kind of attack. He scratched out a kind of half-person, half-lizard, then attached it to a bind point before moving on. Wait, Melody said. You call that a chalkling? Well, uh, is that a walking carrot? It's a lizard man, Joel said, drawing on the other side, fixing a circle that had been blown through. Yeah, whatever. Look, leave the chalklings to me, all right? Just draw X marks where you want them, and I'll make them to fit the situation. You aren't going to draw unicorns, are you? Joel asked, turning his back to her as he drew. What's wrong with unicorns? She demanded from behind him, her chalk sounding as it scraped the ground. They're a noble and, they're a noble and incredibly girly animal, Joel said. I've got my masculine reputation to think of. Oh, hush you, she said. You'll deal with unicorns, maybe some flower people and a pegasus or two, and you'll like it. Otherwise, you can just go draw your own circle. Thank you very much. Joel smiled, growing less nervous. The lines felt natural to draw. He'd practiced so much, first with his father, then alone in his rooms, finally with Professor Fitch. Putting the lines where he did just felt right. The waves of chalklings came first, a surprising number of them. He glanced up to see that Nalazar's students, with their advanced training in dueling, had already eliminated some opponents. Drawing so quickly and offensively had given them an advantage in the first part of the melee. It would hurt them as time wore on. Joel and Melody, along with three or four other unlucky students, were in the direct center of the floor, surrounded by Nalazar's team, who formed a ring. Obviously, their plan would be to eliminate those in the direct center, then fight those at the perimeters. What's your plan for these students, Nalazar? Joel wondered. What lies are you teaching them? Joel gritted his teeth. The positioning was great for Nalazar's students, but terrible for Joel and Melody. He and she were surrounded by a ring of enemies. Large waves of chalklings swarmed Joel and Melody. By now, however, 
Melody had gotten up a good dozen of her unicorns. That was one of the great things about an eastern defense, a large circle with nine bind points, each with a smaller circle bound to it. Each of those smaller circles could theoretically hold up to five bound chalklings. With Melody on the team, that was a distinct advantage. Her little unicorns frolicked in what Joel thought was a very undignified manner, but they did it even as they ripped apart enemy trolls, dragons, knights, and blobs. The Nalazar chalklings didn't have a chance. As their broken corpses piled up, Melody added a couple more unicorns to her defense. Hey, she said, this is actually kind of fun. Joel could see the sweat on her brow, and his knees hurt from the kneeling, but he couldn't help but agree with her. Lines of vigor soon began to hit their defenses, blowing chunks off Melody's unicorns, which made her quite perturbed, and knocking holes in the outer circles. Nalazar's students had realized that they would have to beat their way through. Fortunately, Joel had built their defense well anchored with lines of forbiddance. Too many, maybe. Melody kept running into them and cursing. He needed to do something. Nalazar's students would eventually break through. You ready to show off? Joel asked. You need to ask? Joel drew the new line, the one that was a cross between a line of vigor and a line of forbiddance. They were calling it a line of revocation, and he'd spent hours practicing it already. It was more powerful than a line of vigor, but not really that much. However, it would probably have a big impact on morale. Melody traced his line, and hers shot across the floor, conveniently dusting away Joel's original as it moved. He'd aimed it at a student who hadn't anchored his circle properly and wasn't disappointed. Joel's line of revocation blasted against the unfortunate student's circle, shaking it free and knocking it a few feet out of alignment. That counted as a disqualification. The student was, after all, now outside of his circle. A referee approached and sent the boy away. One down, Joel said, and continued to draw. The gathered professors and island officials muttered among themselves. Fitch stood directly above Joel and Melody and just watched. Watched the defense repel dozens and dozens of chalklings. Watched it absorb hit after hit but stay strong. Watched Joel's shots, fired infrequently yet timed so well, slam against enemy circles. He watched and felt his nervousness slowly bleed to pride. Beneath him, two students battled overwhelming odds and somehow managed to start winning. Circle after circle of Nalazar's students fell, each breached by a careful shot on Joel's part. Melody focused on keeping her chalklings up. Joel would lay down a line, then watch, patient, until there was an opening in the enemy waves. Then he'd get Melody's attention, and she'd trace his line of revocation without even looking up, trusting in his aim and skill. Usually, a defense with two people inside of it was a bad trade-off. Two circles beside one another would be more useful. However, with a non-rhythmatist on the field, it made perfect sense. Amazing, York whispered. That's got to be illegal, Professor Hatch kept saying. Inside the same circle? Many of the others grew quiet. They didn't care about legality. No, these, like Fitch, watched and understood. Beneath them were two students who didn't just duel. They fought. They understood. 
It's beautiful, Nalazar whispered, surprising Fitch. He would have expected the younger professor to be angry. I will have to watch those two very carefully. They are amazing. Fitch looked back down, surprised by just how excited he was. By surviving inside Team Nalazar's ring, Joel and Melody had destroyed the enemy strategy. Nalazar's students had to fight on two fronts. They slowly destroyed the students on the outside of their ring, but by the time they did, Joel and Melody had taken out half of their numbers. It became six on two. Even that should have been impossible odds. It wasn't. Joel heard the bell ring before he understood what it meant. He just kept drawing, working on some outer circles to add a secondary bastion of defense, since their main circles had nearly been breached a dozen times. Ah, uh, Joel? Melody said. Yeah? Look up. Joel stopped, then glanced up. The entire black playing field was empty, the last student in red trailing away toward the doors. The girl walked over broken circles and unfinished lines, moving between the lines of forbiddance, scuffing circles with her passing. Joel blinked. What happened? We won, idiot, Melody said. Ah, uh, did you expect that? Joel shook his head. Hum, Melody replied. Well then, guess it's time for some drama. She leapt to her feet and let out a squeal of delight, jumping up and down, screaming, Yes, yes, yes! Joel smiled. He looked up, and though the ceiling was tinted, he thought he could see Nalazar's red coat where the man stood, eyes focused on Joel. I'm watching you, the professor's stance seemed to say. It was then that the stunned audience erupted into motion and noise, some cheering, others rushing down onto the field. And I'm watching you back, Nalazar, Joel thought, still looking up. I've stopped you twice now. I'll do it again. As many times as I have to. We hope you've enjoyed The Rhythmatist, a Macmillan audio production from Tor Books. Text copyright 2013 by Dragonsteel Entertainment, LLC. Production copyright 2013 by Macmillan Audio. All rights reserved. <laughs>